Hey there, and welcome to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and I am so glad that you joined me today. This podcast is for neurodivergence by a neurodivergent. I'm an ADHD coach with ADHD and ASD, and I am here to help. So let's spend some time together now and maybe learn a few things. Hi, friends, and welcome back to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and this week on the podcast, we're going to be talking about New Year's resolutions. Before we dive in, I do want to say thank you for your patience, and I appreciate you sticking around. For Christmas this year, I got the gift that seems to keep on giving, and the one that many of the people in my life apparently got for the holidays, too, COVID. So I had hoped to do this podcast last week and release it on New Year's Eve, but that was not happening in the condition I was in. So again, thank you all for your patience, and let's roll in. So first, I think we need to talk about why New Year's resolutions suck for ADHDers. They prey on our all-or-nothing mindset, especially when they are health and wellness related. They set us up for failure because when we have that all-or-nothing thinking and we start our year with these big plans and then we don't do the big plans because, hey, ADHD, we feel like failures. And then we're like, all right, well, guess that's not happening this year. And the other problem is that so many people make these monster lists of New Year's resolutions. I've never done that. Nope. No, that was not how my 2019 list looked. It was not like 15 things long. No, no, no. Yes, it was. It was like 15 things long. And I had this massive idea for how I was going to change my whole life overnight. New Year, new me. Whoa. But that was so unrealistic. And then I maybe carried on a few of those resolutions through actually a pretty good portion of that year because I was super focused on self-growth. But I didn't complete any of those goals, at least not in the way that I set out to with the New Year's resolutions. Because again, I was focused on got to do it this way. And if I'm not doing it this way, then it's not right. And if it's not right, why waste my time? Oh, hey, perfectionism. (laughs) Also, I'm just realizing that I said 2019 and I meant 2020 because that was the year that everything went to hell. Everything in my personal life went to hell in 2019. And that was, you know, you can see where the mistake came from. But actually, 2020 for me, just like a complete side tangent, wound up being like my butterfly year. And what I mean by that is, you know, during COVID, I really re-explored myself. I focused on my own personal growth. I learned about my ADHD. I taught others about ADHD. I decided that I was going to be an ADHD coach. And I spent that whole year learning how to be me and do things for me. And I was in my like nice little cocoon. And then 2021 was the year that I changed so much other stuff. It was the year that I became a butterfly, you know, to continue with the cheesy metaphor. Because 2021, I did not have New Year's resolutions either. Looking back at like my Facebook memories from the start of 2020, and of course, years and years prior, I would always post on either New Year's Eve or New Year's Day what those resolutions were. 
This year, I'm going to eat right. This year, I'm going to exercise more. This year, I'm going to read a chapter every single day. This year, I'm going to use a planner. Ironically enough, I have been using a planner for the last year quite successfully because I had to find the kind that worked for me. Appointment books, friends, appointment books. Not going to work for everybody, but hey, worth a try, right? But here's the thing. Here's the thing that was different in my 2021 to previous years. I didn't do those New Year's resolutions. What I did instead is what I'm doing this year. I picked one big focus. Last year, the focus was on beginning my coaching business. And my coaching business turns a year old this week. I'm very excited about that. I am so proud of the place that I have brought myself to and so grateful and appreciative for all of the love and support that <laughs> even random strangers on the internet have showed me. It is absolutely incredible how all of this began. So if you've been along for the ride, thanks for being here. And if you're new, welcome. All right, Amanda, let's refocus. It's the ADHD, what can I say? So New Year's resolutions. You know why else they're hard for ADHDers? Because if you are making that big list, you're basically making a big list of changes. Because New Year's resolutions are always work. They're never a simple thing of, oh, I'm just gonna start sleeping in more. <laughs> or, oh, I'm gonna watch more TV. Usually, the resolutions that we choose are something that challenges us, something that we want to do better at, or, you know, at least change in some capacity. I've never met anyone who said, ah, I'm gonna watch more TikTok. That's what I'm doing in 2022. No, it's always the opposite. It's, oh, I watch too much TikTok, so I want to watch less TikToks in 2022. And that's not easy. So when you combine that with the idea of, oh, I'm also going to go to the gym, and I'm also going to start eating differently, and I'm also going to, you know, learn this crazy new hobby. When you combine all of these new but challenging things challenge can motivate an ADHD brain, but when there's too much of it, when we go too far, which let's be honest, we tend to do that sometimes. When we go too far though, and we make that list five things long instead of the two we began with, the two might have been achievable, but increasing to five, that changed the whole game. And that's something we need to know about ourselves. That's why last year I did not make New Year's resolutions. I made one goal for the whole year, and I did the same thing this year. Last year, the goal was to focus on building my coaching business, and I did a whole bunch of stuff throughout the year and set mini goals to get me to the point I wanted to be at. And I did get there. I still have other ways that I like to grow my business, other ways I'd like to create more access to knowledge and education, but everything takes so much time. <laughs> so... I have to be patient and I have to recognize that these things take time. And, you know, that's not something I have an abundance of at the moment. And that's why my goal for this year is not just my business. My goal for this year is actually only one word. Growth. That's it. Now you're probably sitting there scratching your head a little bit and going, okay, crazy lady on the, the podcast here. Um, what do you mean your New Year's resolution is one word? Yes, it's one word, but it's so many things. Because underneath growth, 
there are 12 months of mini goals. And because I'm not going to do the crazy things that I've done in the past, I haven't planned out what every single month looks like. I know what this month looks like, and I know what my goal next month is. I know that by growth, I mean growth in my business, growth in myself, growth in my wellness, and growth within my relationships. So each mini goal for each month of the year will focus on one of those categories of growth. So for January, I have already started working on my mini goal. This month's mini goal is to watch less TV. And how does watching less TV help me grow? Well, because the time that I am not watching TV, I am focusing on growing my knowledge, which in turn grows myself. So that knowledge is either working on rebuilding or learning new skills. I've taken up drawing this week. That's been fun, especially because I am doing it from a completely different perspective than my brain has ever been able to handle. The reason I've never been able to draw more than like a 20-minute cartoon before is because I couldn't sit there and have the attention span to either spend hours on just one thing or, hold on, just draw part of the thing and stop. There's that all or nothing again. I needed the instant gratification. So I could sit and draw a copy of Scooby-Doo, but to draw a human face with shading and lifelike features, nah, never been something I've been able to sit and do. I've also never been able to finish a blanket despite the fact that I can crochet. I have crocheted like 25 little itty bitty baby blankets. I made them for pregnancy loss families that had babies under like 22 weeks. So they were like really small and just for their baby size. But I have never made a full size human blanket. And why is that? Ah, yes, because it takes time. And it takes a lot of time and consistent repeated effort. So growing my skills, taking that TV time down, is pushing my brain to do more of those low dopamine activities. Low dopamine, friends, does not mean low pleasure. Just means it takes longer to get to the end result and that little dopamine burst when it's finished. Low dopamine is not a bad thing. In fact, a lot of things that we need to do in our life are low dopamine tasks. Some are not great. Cleaning. That's, that's, yeah, that's not great. But I do it. And I'm sitting here looking at a box of stuff that needs to be put into places in my office. And I'm like, ah, man. I'm going to take my own advice tonight, and I got to do it. So guess what I'm doing once I finish this podcast episode? (laughs) But here's the thing. I know that there are certain tasks that I do need the TV for, that sitting and working on, you know, a drawing is not something I can do while I'm putting away wash. But also, the idea of putting away wash or emptying this box in my office, they are so mind-numbingly boring for my ADHD brain that me putting on an audiobook or a podcast that I don't have any interest in is not going to be stimulating enough for me to be able to finish the task when I need to. So guess what that means? That might mean that I watch TV to help me finish that task because I know that TV is a resource for those types of things for me. Am I a failure because I'm watching TV in the middle of the day? Go ahead. I'll give you a second to think about that. Do, 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 do. All right, friends, do we have our answers? Am I a failure because my mini goal is to watch less TV and I'm going to use TV and watch more of it today? If you said no, 
which is the correct answer, um, then why are you so hard on yourself? No, seriously. Why did you beat yourself up when you didn't get the other thing done because you weren't doing it in a way that your brain needed you to do it? Maybe it didn't align with the new New Year's resolution of not watching so much TV. But if that's what you needed to help you do the other thing, you're not a failure. In fact, I'm so proud of you for doing something to help your brain. So if you are going to sit here and tell me that I'm not a failure because I broke the mini goal that I've been working towards, my resolution for the month, if you will, if you wouldn't shame me for it, then why do you shame yourself for it? And that's where New Year's resolutions get us next. It's the shame, the shame of doing it wrong, the shame of quote unquote failing. If you are trying to break a habit that you have been doing for, I don't know, 25 years and you change the habit for three days, but then you have a backslide. If that backslide makes you stop in your tracks and never try again, because in your brain, oh, I sucked, I failed, I did it wrong, look at me not being able to do it again. Friends, the backslide is part of growing. Mistakes are part of learning. Some of the most successful people in history made massive mistakes before they achieved the place that they're at. Michael Jordan got kicked off of his basketball team in high school, but then went on to be one of the greatest players of all time. Oprah Winfrey was fired from one of her newscasting jobs before becoming, like, the goddess of all women. <laughs> there are so many people who have had massive success come from failure, and that's because they did something differently than a lot of us do. They got back up. They tried again. If I can pass one bit of knowledge onto you, onto my coaching clients, heck, I say this in the consultation, that my focus for every client that I work with is not consistency to start. That is definitely something that we can work on building up over time. But before you can be consistent, ADHDers, you must first be resilient. Let me say that again. Before you can be consistent, you must first be resilient. And if that consistency doesn't come, because that's how our brains are made, guys, we're not consistent. The, the thing we're consistent on is being inconsistent. We're consistently inconsistent. Let's be real. But the important piece is that you're resilient to try again. That, hey, yeah, I watch TV in the middle of the day today. That breaks my watch less TV goal. But you know what? Tomorrow, instead of going into the all or nothing of, well, I already failed, so I might as well binge watch an entire season of Dexter. Tomorrow, instead of doing that, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to try again. I'm going to try to fight the urge or need for the TV in the middle of the day because I'm breaking a habit that I have been doing for years. Now, mind you, I do not watch nearly the amount of TV that I used to. When I was with my ex and living an absolutely miserable existence, literally all I did was watch TV. I would get home from my job, which was only five minutes from my house. So we got off of work around 2.15. I'd get home by 2.30. 2.30, my butt was on that couch and the TV was on from 2.30 until the time I closed my eyes at 10.30 at night. Sometimes I did other stuff in between. Sometimes I went and like did groceries or went to the store. But most days when I got off of work, I spent seven hours a day planted in front of the TV. 
it was the only thing that gave me any sense of fulfillment. Really, what it was was me dissociating from the absolutely miserable and traumatic relationship that I was a part of. So cutting TV time has been something that I've been working on since the end of that relationship. And each year, I cut it a little more. It's still a big part of my life because it was a big part of my life before that. TV was a thing that my family and I did every night. We had different shows on different networks that we'd sit down together as a family and watch on whoop, live TV. Oh my gosh. Remember those days, guys, when like you had to be there? And if you had to go to the bathroom, you got to wait till that commercial break. Otherwise, you're going to miss it. And don't get me wrong. I love TV. And that's why I won't give it up completely. I love connecting with the characters. I love the storylines that overlap, you know, season after season and the way that details are carried on and the way that I get to see these people grow and change before my eyes. Heck, I have an associate's degree in radio TV because I loved TV that much. And film. But I also love myself now, and that means that I need to work on other things for me, which means that I can't give all of my free time to a television. And my free time is no longer sitting there for seven hours a night. I have a full-time coaching business that I work very hard on, and TV is really just something that I watch an episode of something in the morning. And let's be honest, up until this New Year's resolution, I probably watched more like two to three episodes of like 30 minute shows because I make sure that I wake up early enough that I can have some of that during my morning. But then on my lunch break, guess what would go on? The TV, just as background noise as I'm sitting there eating. And then at night, as we're eating dinner, guess what's on? The TV. There's a big link in our household with TV and food. That's something that I had to explore with this mini goal. So I realized that it doesn't have to be not using the screen at all, but I have to make sure that the way that I'm using it is in a way that better serves me. So what I do now is in the morning, I watch one episode, watch it while I'm eating my breakfast, give myself that time to start my day in the way that I like, connecting with characters that I love. Nothing wrong with that. And then at lunchtime, I'm building that in as a half hour of that is time for me to do the exercises that I need to practice for PT. I'm linking it to that activity because that makes it easier to establish that routine. And I've been doing this for a little while. Like this isn't part of mini goals or anything like that. But when I start eating my lunch, I've been putting on a TED Talk or putting on a podcast because realistically, my lunch has its own stimulation. Food is a really sensory experience, and as a very sensory-seeking person, because um, I fall more into the hyposensory part of my ASD, I'm constantly looking for more of that sensory input. That's why no lights are ever bright enough. Yes, I recognize how funny that is because for most autistic people, it's the opposite. Bright lights are the problem. Let me sit in a dark room with some twinkle lights on. Trust me, I love that aesthetic when I'm ready for it. But if I need to do something, if I need to be working or like cooking something, I need as much light as possible. And it never feels bright enough. But lots of tangents today. Sorry, guys, I am still on the mend from COVID. So I'm fighting through a little bit of brain fog still and, you know, really just trying to get myself back in action. <laughs> So yeah, I have been making adjustments to make this mini goal fit and work and serve me better. But if I don't do it perfectly every single day, 
I'm fine. I'll just try again the next day. Because guess what? You are allowed to try again. Let's say your mini goal is to change the way that you eat. Maybe you want to eat more intuitively. Maybe you're trying to increase your interoception and feel your hunger cues. Okay, so Monday through Thursday, you're on the ball. And then Friday, you eat pizza and ice cream and you eat yourself silly and you get a bad stomach ache and you didn't listen to your body saying, hey, 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 no, we're not hungry anymore. We're not hungry anymore. In the past, that probably would have sent you into a wild shame spiral of, gosh, look at you. You can't even do it. It's, it hasn't even been a week. What's wrong with you eating pizza and ice cream? What the hell? I'm sorry. Would you talk to your best friend that way? Would you talk to me that way? No. No, you would not. So why are you talking to yourself that way? Here's what you say instead, friends. You know what? That pizza and the ice cream, that was really good. It fulfilled me, but I did have a little bit too much. Maybe next time I give myself a day to eat something that doesn't feel as healthy for my body. Maybe next time instead I'll have just one slice of pizza and I'll get a smaller bowl of ice cream and see if that like setting limits helps me to better listen to my body and my hunger cues. You know what? I'll try again next Friday when we go to that birthday party. I'll see if I can, you know, just set limits. In the second version, did you hear shame? Did you hear judgment? Did you hear problem solving? Yeah. Yeah, we did. So that's why I love mindfulness. Because mindfulness is changing your perspective of your present moment. It is removing the judgment and seeing the present as it is, but with kindness and curiosity. How can I do this differently? What can I change to make this situation better for me? With mindfulness, we are constantly questioning ourselves and our choices, but not as a way to produce shame for ourselves, but rather to produce a better outcome. What would make this all feel better? With mindfulness, you're sitting there and, you know, maybe you just blew up. Your kid was screaming and you got overstimulated and you lost it on them. Instead of, ugh, Jesus, I'm trying to do this stupid gentle parenting crap and here I go yet again going off the handle because I'm such a bad mom. Instead, if we're to look at that with mindfulness, we're going to go, okay, so I got really overstimulated and the screaming and the hollering and the constant touching, that became a little too much for me and I had an impulsive reaction. So the next time that my kids are clawing at me like that while they're screaming the top of their lungs off, is there something that I can do for myself to care for myself better in that moment so that I don't blow up? Mindfulness accepts what is. What happened was you blew up. That's a fact. But you're not a piece of crap for that fact. We remove the judgment. We see it as, okay, yeah, I blew up and I blew up for this reason. How can I make it better next time? So as you are maybe looking at doing these mini goals instead of New Year's resolutions, think of mindfulness. Think of the whys and think of the hows. Question everything. Okay, so I watched more TV today. Why did that happen? Well, you know what? I actually needed more stimulation to be able to fold that laundry. Okay, so how can I do it differently next time? Is there something else that would provide me that stimulation? Could I maybe delegate some of the laundry folding so that maybe I do watch TV, but it's only like a 20-minute episode? Problem solving and reminding yourself that you have choices 
is what's going to help you to be resilient because that's part of embracing healthy thoughts. Other ways that you can build your resilience are building your connections within your relationships so that you have a stronger support system to work on having that encouragement to try again. Finding the purpose of what you're doing and why it motivates you intrinsically, what the internal reasons that you want to do this thing are. Oh man, friends, I think that's next week's episodes. We should talk about shoulds, but umts. And then, you know, we got to focus on wellness to a degree. Taking care of our mind and our bodies because all of that does have an influence on our executive functions. And our executive functions are part of how we can learn and adapt and have that flexible thinking to be able to try again. So that does mean that on some level, we need to use some other executive functioning to take care of ourselves. And I mean, at least the basics. Drinking water, you know, maybe going for a small walk that it's for you, not for some, you know, stereotype of beauty that is completely unrealistic and unattainable. And making sure that we have food in our bellies. That's the level of wellness that, you know, we kind of need to start with, with building this resilience. So I hope you all enjoyed this little chat about New Year's resolutions and why I hate them. And a way that you can do it differently that doesn't set you up for failure. Our brains do enough of that for us. We don't need to put ourselves in circumstances where <laughs> having a list 15 things long that is completely unrealistic and unachievable, yeah, that's going to make any person feel like a failure. So that's why that big overlapping goal with the mini goals underneath is better. Because those mini goals need to be realistic, achievable goals that we can try again the next day on. So thanks again, guys, for tuning in to another episode of Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. Next week, we will be talking about shoulds and why that's such a bad word. Oh, my goodness. I have so much to say on this. It's going to be a great episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in with me and your patience. And this is your host of Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady, Amanda, signing off. Have a great day, guys. <laughs>